welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website. WeFishASA.com. We Fish ASA is put together by our executive producer, the one and only Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. They are down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hello to Brad and the family. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson from St. Croix. Dave's going to visit with Kat Ciro. She runs Reeling and Healing, a fly fishing wellness service that provides retreats for women battling and surviving cancer. What a noble cause that is. Kate Ciro, and I'm going to sit down and have a chat with Chris Lane, winner of the uh, Kissimmee Chain event, the first event of the year for Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Tour. Chris Lane, a good guy and a great, great fisherman. We'll be with him shortly, but first, let me hand off to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring out Dan Johnson. Take it away, Dave. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnson. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So we're uh, pushing the end of February here. Winter is... uh, looking like it's going to close out here in the next four weeks. And across the country, uh, you know, we may still have ice in the upper Midwest and north of us, but down south, they're they're playing a spring game. So let's talk early spring patterns. Yeah, we've done this topic before, and it's a, it's a big topic. You know, we've talked about fall and winter and summer, uh, thermoclines and all sorts of things. And spring certainly um, is 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 it. It's as important as any of them because it's when fish make their biggest move. Um, You know, we've got a lot going on. A lot of it depends on how fast the water temperature warms up. Um, But we also need to factor in the fact that our days get longer. So not only do we have warming water temperatures, but we can start to get vegetation growing in lakes that can move fish into relatively cold water too if it gets it because the days are longer and we get the vegetation starts to grow. So, but at a higher level than that, and this is where we kind of always start with this topic, Dave, is you know, the fish are in the winter time, certainly in the fall, and in the winter they're they're just they're just food centric. I mean, they're set up in areas where the bait are and their metabolism's different because water temperatures are different from winter to summer, but they're bait centric. And as we get into the springtime, they remain that way until they start getting into spawning mode centric and they, they do not stay bait centric throughout the spring. So that's why I call it one of the biggest moves because it's really, really important to understand that is how long do those fish stay on bait versus starting to look for certain hard bottom substrates to where they want to bet up. And that's the biggest 
the biggest game to figure out, you know, so it's, it's an extremely important move. Um, but from winter to spring, generally speaking, they're coming from deeper areas. Uh, if we're on reservoirs, they start going back, they start going back into creeks and some of the two places they really hang up, uh, ledge wall type areas that still have deep water close to them back into creeks and then absolutely points primary secondary, meaning the second one back in or however we want to, describe that it's important to understand those movements because they're critical in the spring and they're still schooled up and that's the thing there there's that time period between where they're schooled up they're still in bait and they're making moves to when they more disperse to spawning areas and they get off bait entirely that is a incredibly important phase yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you made a point of the days getting longer and as the temperatures warm up um, a lot of times I I think of myself telling customers all the time or early in the season, they're saying, yeah, I'm going to go fishing tomorrow. And I, and I just comes out of my mouth and say, hey, you don't have to go at six o'clock in the morning because the best part of the day is probably going to be the warmest part of the day. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that, that as the water warms, they may be a little more active at two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Well, it's such a great point. I'm glad you went there because that's not consistent with the, the year in generally speaking. You no. know, summertime can be the opposite of that. Right. Low light, early morning, right before dark, windy situations, right? Where the springtime, you know, generally speaking, there's no doubt you can catch them in the mornings because that morning time for all wildlife, whether it's hunting or anything, just is, seems to be an active time. But in fishing, when we're talking about water temperature, it really plays into to your point to where a lot of times that afternoon deal is the best. And you'll see it right on your surface temperature gauge because we got to remember it's measuring the surface of the water. And when that starts to warm up and you get a little wind blowing it around, it can move fish shallower than you think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and like you said, the, the key, though, is how long they're going to stay on the bait before they that trigger switches them to spawn mode where they they still will eat, but they're just not hanging with the bait like that. I think that's that's a great uh, observation. And um, you said first uh, points and then secondary points, and it, it's that simple. So for the people that can't envision this or have never even thought about it, if you look at a map on a lake, especially an impoundment, you see the points that are on the main drag of the lake. And then if you just go inside on either side of a bay, you'll have the second point. That's the secondary points. And there might be third points before it goes into the creeks. But but that is such a key uh, funnel, like you you mentioned the hunting, we talk about hunting, that th you're funneling these fish into a smaller and smaller area, area as they go up these creeks. And and it can be one of those times of years that you just, you they're just stacked there. Well, let's get a little weedy on this one, because I think this will be of value to the listener, um, is the best ones in the spring, generally speaking, are about threefold. There's about two or three things going on here. Number one, they love points. Uh, but if you look at your map, most maps, you can find just maps on everything, whether it's a hard map or a topographical map, or they're built right into Navionics Lake Master, if we have those of us that have graphs. But the best ones in the early spring are the ones where they still have some access to deep water. So watch where your creek channels come into points. 
watch where that creek channel gets close to a point and especially where it makes a bend and comes out off that point because what they'll do is they follow these highways in that's what the bait do and then these points are like hotels this bait and the fish will rest up on them and then you try to find targets on those points and even to get more specific like if you've got a, a cove running uh, north south Right, and you go back in, and the channel swings on the left side. Check that left side where that channel hits those points. But then, if you go right around that point on the north side of that, and this is getting really weedy, but these are some of the things that I absolutely look for in the spring. The sun's going to be hitting that more than anywhere else, so that those rocks are going to warm. Whatever it is is going to warm quicker, but it's still close to deep water, and it's by a point. And though that time, more than often, I'm talking about big reservoirs where you really got to try to figure this stuff out. More time than often, that's what was one of the first places I catch them because they're still close to deep water. If they get a big front or something, they can push right off it where those shallow ones, the opposite side of the creek channel type points are great once they start to bed up and they start chasing bait on shallow flats when the water really gets warm. But that first move, the first move from wintering back in those creeks more times than not is that move that we just talked about. Yes, and, and we're talking patterns here, so you can take what Dan just said from one side of the reservoir to the other, and if they are the ones that are running north-south, the ones that the north side also warms a little faster because of, like you said, the angle, that southern sun beating on those banks, beating on the wood that's there. If you get shallower water and if you have like slate rock and things like that, boy, they, they gravitate to that and they go to that. It's not just a spot that becomes... Look at that map and you can say, wow, there's six or seven places like that. And when Dan and I get in a tournament, that's what we look for. We look for that kind of thing because we know they're high percentage spots. Right, Dan? Well, they can be. It's surely a starting point. I've been proven wrong more than I've been proven <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You know, you you go with what the book says and you find them on the shady side in a cold wind and with the wrong bottom and they're there. And it, so, yeah, but, but I think the point is it's a great starting point philosophy because you know the fish are going to move back into the creeks you know they're not going to move back into that creek on a bank that's two foot deep so they're going to follow those i think think of think of creek channels and reservoirs and lakes like arteries in a body where things flow through things right and, and when as we start to get major migratory moves of fish they love those things. I mean, angler vernacular is highways. I mean, they follow those things back. And whenever you can find an irregularity, like you find one of those arteries or creek channels making a bend, we call them creek channel swings. And if they happen to hit a point, and if it's in the springtime, uh, man, that's it. I mean, those are the kind of things that I'm at least going to try first and then just kind of back off from there and apply something if that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times if you're watching the weather before you go on a trip and you had a week that was warmer or 10 days that was warmer and possibly, you know, you've stopped in a local tackle store and they say, boy, last week they were already up in the shallows. They were stacked there. It was phenomenal. You missed it. Just listen to what they're saying and back off to that secondary point because they're not going far, like Dan said, about close to deep water. They may pull back close to where they want to be in that comfort zone, but they were up there. They pulled back. The bait probably did too. You can still find them, and and maybe they're a little tougher to get, but the it's still how to find them early spring, and it's it's still good advice. And uh, except rivers are a little different, right, Dan? Well, but they do winter without a doubt. Yes, I mean they, yes. they don't like the current as much. They get in a little bit deeper areas. They're still around bait. Uh, they'll, they'll definitely make their moves for sure. 
Um, they'll stay schooled. Uh, and all, a lot of the things apply. You just have that current factor in there. Where current is the juice in the summer. I mean, we're just looking for it, preferably current vegetation and hard bottom and all the things that we look for. But in, in that first big winter to spring move in a river, you know, wing dams become just absolutely critical. Think about what a wing dam does. I mean, man builds them to channelize current, right? But they make incredible fish habitats and they just so happen to be places that fish can hang up on and get out of current if you get on the right side of the wing dam as a staging spot to go back into a creek so it's kind of the same philosophy but you got that current factor in there that changes it but they absolutely make those moves and they winter up and they go from you know being bait centric to more spawning centric all those things just fish or fish it just changes a little bit because the river plus we have we have rising and lowering river. We have runoff that sometimes make them, makes them really dirty, which can move them. And so there's other factors there, but the, the philosophy stays the same. Absolutely. Always great information from a Dan Johnston. Thanks, Dan. We look forward to talking to you next week. Hey, Dave. Thanks so much. No problem. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. This segment of the We Fish ASA podcast is always brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Kranz, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say every guest I get to interview for this segment has a passion for the outdoors. My next uh, guest certainly does. She is the director of Reeling and Healing. She is Kath Cyril. Welcome to the program. Dave, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Awesome. So fly fishing wellness retreats for women battling and surviving cancer. How awesome is that to be able to get to do this? It is. It, it's, the, it's the highlight of my summers um, or anytime during trout season to be able to do this and to, and to teach um, and 
bring the bring individuals who are in any stage of their of their journey with cancer um, out into nature and find those healing moments and and ways for them to be empowered or just feel good. Um, it's the spice of life. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> it's got to be. We'll give this again here probably a couple times, but for those that want to, our listeners want to find out more about this organization, fishon.org will get you everything you want to learn about this. And you can see all these uh, things that happen uh, in this uh, organization. Now, fly fishing for trout, that can be pretty complicated. How many of the women that come to you have ever fly fished before? I would say on average, with regards to our, re, our retreats, which we, we have a couple different types, one being our new participant retreat, which is for those who may have had a, a touch of fly fishing in their past or may have a, you know, a class here or there, um, a majority, like 95%, have never fly fished before. That's kind of what I figured. I kind of figured yeah. it wasn't a very high yeah. high amount, but yeah. it, I, I, they I come out of there knowing yeah. how yeah. to fly fish. Though they they come out of there, they come out of there knowing how to fly fish, feeling good about their experience. But on the side of being a woman in the industry, I've been um, myself. I've been fly fishing since I was sixteen. I worked for Orvis. Um, I've been on the side of you know going into a into a of a tackle or you know or, or or shop where no one sees me or you know helps me and um but i know what to say and what to ask and mm-hmm. if i can do it just the right way it it's magic so yeah. i do that as far as like the retreats i want somebody that comes to that retreat to know how to cast but i know i want them to feel confident of going into a fly shop or making that phone call to ask the questions they need to ask if they want to go fish, if they want to buy more equipment, what do they need to do next? What can be more therapeutic than uh, spending time with others doing the same thing in the outdoors, seeing the wildlife, and you know, catch, catch, catching fish is is the bonus. I think just the whole outdoors, uh, seeing the wildlife, seeing the eagles, seeing and maybe a mink run on the shore. Uh, that's yep. that's so therapeutic, isn't it? It is. It's very therapeutic. Um, I think. I think one of the the best um, one of the best parts of our sessions that I see is just is going watching everybody go through it. But as they're able to step and actually wade into the water and feel it, um, because many of us every day we're not doing that, not having that experience. Um, but to have and be surrounded by nature. Um, and as you said, there could be a mink. There could be a fox. There could be grasshoppers, there are squirrels, all kinds of birds, and many many of the women who come um, come from more city centers as well. Um, the majority do, and so I've had times where it's they've never even experienced a campfire, um, seeing so many evergreen trees. Um, I had no idea what it you know they maybe they've seen something on TV, but never had the experience experiences in real life to see an eagle above or let alone that they could cast a fly or put on a pair of waders and be comfortable and have fun and kind of celebrate together as they're um, enjoying all of these different opportunities that come across them. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And, and a question I, I was thinking was, how many of these women come to the program, participate, and eventually come back and, and volunteer their time to help others? I, about 50% come back and help volunteer 
or, or, or find ways to volunteer or even say, hey, I'm over in this area. If anybody, if anybody um, goes through the program but then wants to go fish, we'll actually then help them go the next steps and take them out and fish. And that could be that could also be for bluegills. Doesn't always have to be trout, but um, and or steelhead fishing. We've done a lot of variety in there, as well as bass, because I, I know you know that bass fishing is quite fun. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it is, and it's uh, it's appealing. I haven't done much fly fishing myself. Uh, in my younger days, I did for bluegills, and uh, uh, I did enjoy that with a popper or an ant or something like that, and 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 that was that was fun. So, uh, fishon.org. I want to give that again if anybody wants to get information about this organization that does fly fishing wellness retreats for women battling and surviving cancer. I. Where are these events, uh, where does this take place? These, these events take place in Michigan, and a majority um, are, are more up in the, the area of the Grayling on the Asabo River, um, which is first-class holy waters, considered uh, the, best in, the best in class in the state for, fly, for trout fishing. And um, so we, we actually fish and catch a release area. It's all flies. Um, we'd like to have the retreats during the time of the week where the river doesn't have as much activity. So our retreats start on a Sunday and on a Tuesday. And that affords us the safety of having that all that river space to the group and not a lot of, um, not the traffic of like all the canoers or tubers that might come in the weekend or let alone the sportsmen who want to be out there during the weekend because they need to be away from, you know, want to get away from work and have that weekend off. We're not in, intruding on their space either. Um, and I'd say that uh, with regards to the women and the demographics, every every demographic is covered, and we have people as young as 18 all the way up to, I've had an 87-year-old mm. um, who have been there, caught fish, put on the waders, get in the water. Um, we do our best to help accommodate anything with regards to dietary issues, but also physicality. Um, and if somebody isn't able to stand or has neuropathy in their feet, we've got ways to make it all work. Um, and I've had those that have, have lost a limb to cancer. There's still a way to cast. There's still a way to wade. Um, I always say that if I get the phone call, if somebody wants to do this, it's on their bucket list. It's, it's something that when they were younger, they were given the opportunity to learn to fish or maybe fly fish and haven't been able to do that since their childhood come, just come and experience it. Um, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. This is our 25th summer of hosting retreats that are coming up. Um, and it, if, if you'd like to attend or know somebody who would want to come and have that experience, reach out, check out our website, give us a call, um, as well as if you think that this would be a great opportunity to maybe do something different within your volunteer sphere, call me. I'd be, I'd welcome anybody who comes from a heart-centered place that knows a lot about entomology, casting, fishing, river, um, our ecology, nature. There's opportunity to help out. A lot of ways, a lot of ways they can contribute and, and that's awesome. Is there an average amount of uh, women that are there for uh, your events? We typically have um, eight to 12 women at each retreat and approximately 16 to 20 volunteers as well. 
So there's plenty of help for everybody, and there's plenty of knowledge there to help anybody. So there's certainly no reason to be intimidated by never having fly fish before, because you said many of them come there and 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 haven't, but they 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 learn and they they will learn, and they'll have nothing but an excellent experience. Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, and and if anything, they leave learning and knowing more about what fish, what, what's actually in that river, what fish feed on, and that they can cast. I think a lot of people, a lot of individuals, they think that fly fishing just looks too hard. But um, once you get it down and, and get out there in the water and actually feel it and be part of it, I think it all, it all kind of comes to you. And, um, and then that, that then gives you the opportunity to just be able to stand there and stream, observe, and be more one with nature and just embrace the matter of like, there's something bigger that you can be part of and connected to and really find some joy in it. Absolutely. No, that's, uh, and I think when you have people that come that have never fly fished before, they're very good listeners and they pay attention and they take the instruction well. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> and we make it, we make it, and we make it fun. I will say that even though we, you know, it's, it's cancer related, one of our, one of our things is that we're not there to talk about cancer. We're there to have a break from all that. We're there just to have fun. So, um, I can tell you for sure. I think that many of the many of the volunteers are comedians on the side because we we do have a lot of fun as well as the participants kind of they get to loosen up and know that they can just relax and have some fun. That's awesome. Fishon.org is how you can find out more about this organization. Reeling and healing, fly fishing wellness retreats for women battling and surviving cancer. Kat Cyril, so happy to have you on and. Uh, Best of luck going on your 25th anniversary conducting these this summer. And uh, thanks for being on the program. Thank you so much, Dave. Take care. No problem. Thank you. you. That was Cap Zero. I am Dave Kranz. This segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel. For those with a passion for the outdoors, the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta Outdoors, from bluegill to bluefin, Calcutta Outdoors has the innovative outdoor recreational brands that consumers are looking for. We offer a wide range of trusted products, from fishing rods, combos, and tackle, to coolers, drinkware, outdoor apparel, and marine accessories. Calcutta Outdoors. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail, while Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV, The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system 
designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarlick. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. Don't forget that We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And you know, if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. We got one of the good ones here today. Well, we always do, but this guy's a hot stick, and uh, he just started the season out really right down at uh, Kissimmee, Florida. Won the first Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event of the year. I'm pleased to welcome the one and only Chris Lane. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, that, well, you can't think of a better way to open a season than, than with a victory, right? Yeah, and, and and where I cut my teeth, it was uh, it was an awesome, awesome event, and um, you know, one that I wasn't expecting, but really glad to have it. How far is is that Kissimmee chain from where you grew up? Uh, well, we still have a fish camp on the south end of Kissimmee. Not one that's actually livable, but we still have a fish camp there. <laughs> not li- not livable. Uh, I'm guessing overrun by gators. <laughs> or just the sulfur water is so bad you can't stand the smell. Oh, my goodness. I'll be, I I did not realize that. I, 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 I'd say the gators, and we might as well tell the people this who've never been on the Kissimmee chain, uh, if you've never seen alligators in, in live uh, surroundings, uh, not the zoo, uh, the Kissimmee chain is the place to go to, to view gators, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Beautiful, big, small, little, medium, aggressive, and uh, ones that just want to sit there and smile at you. It's uh, got plenty of them. Yeah, you, you can see them out there. The first time I was on it, uh I, I fished that ICAST Cup down at uh, the ICAST convention a few times, and uh, that, that the first time you see one of those things, you go, what, what's that log doing over there? And all of a sudden it moves a little bit. You go, that's not a log. Man, that's a, a, a gator, and it's a big one. Um, you just, uh, if you've done that a number of times, you just take that for granted, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. But the people that have never seen them, it's quite a sight to see. Have you ever handled one? I have handled a few of them in my day. Yes, that that's a, a a friend of mine was down there. He did that, and the uh, the guy he was fishing with says, "Hey, you want to see one up close?" And, and he brought a, a one. It must have been you know three and a half feet long or whatever. Brought it into the boat. He said, and then the, the mama started coming towards the boat, you know. And they said, uh, "He's she's worried about her baby. Let's put this one back." And at least in the water, he says, "You want to do it again?" He said, "No, I've had enough. That's a once in a lifetime experience." I can't even can't even imagine uh, imagine that that's uh, it's just phenomenal and that is a uh, as swamp like and Everglades as it seems like and sometimes when you're going through a channel or or a backwater it's it seems like you're in the most remote area in the world for Pete's sake you're you're within a short drive of Disney World there that that's amazing that this country exists and nobody realizes it. Yeah, it is. You know, when you get when you get outside of Orlando or outside of Tampa and you work your way down towards the Kissimmee chain, 
you actually get into natural Florida wildlife. It's beautiful. What what does the water itself look like? What's the what are the characteristics of the Kissimmee chain? Well, the FWC's done a fantastic job with the water clarity, how high the water is. I know the hurricanes had some, you know, something to do with it. But the the lake is probably in some of the best conditions that I've ever seen. What are you looking at as far as depth and clarity of the water? Yeah, well, you can only see about a two foot down if the sun's shining. If it's not, you can't really see it all because the water's that dark tannic stain. Um, but gorgeous, healthy, strong. The fish look really good. Everything is uh, is beautiful down here. And uh, I I have heard that uh, it's it's tough to fish. And obviously, with, with modern electronics, you can uh, uh, you don't need to be pulling out maps all the time. But I've heard that things change, especially in regard to uh, a lot of times uh, people want to fish brush piles. And brush piles move, and a lot of new brush piles are planted that people don't know about till you snag up on one. Is, is that true? Is it hard to navigate? Is it hard to read that water? Um, it, it can be, you know, especially after hurricanes because it blows the big tussock mats and the big islands around and, you know, separates them and then turns a few over. And then where there was not a tree before in a canal, there's a big tree sitting there now. <laughs> Oh man, I can't can't even imagine that. Uh, that that being said, uh, and I, I mentioned sonar before. What what do you use for sonar, and how valuable is it to have good sonar on a system like the Kissimmee chain? Yeah, I use uh, Lorance Electronics, and uh, the mapping's really good. The the sonar, you know, I really try to use the two D down here because I can really kind of stay focused on what the bottom is. And what the bottom is, what are you looking for? Well, you're looking for a hard bottom. You don't want the soft, mushy stuff. Sometimes that's good, but this time of year, you know, the harder the bottom, the better opportunities you have of getting a bite. What about the vegetation on the Kissimmee chain? Oh, you've got it all. You've got buggy whips, cattails, Kissimmee grass, lily pads, logs, sticks, um, everything's in the water arrowheads it's absolutely gorgeous now we, we know that uh you know, vegetation is good and some good is better than other good vegetation is there any vegetation that you normally avoid because you're pretty sure it doesn't hold fish uh-huh, not down here you try it all to see which ones they're actually holding in all right fair enough fair enough let's talk about this uh first Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour event of the year that you just won on the Kissimmee chain. Let's talk about uh, the, the the schedule and how it went. How was your pre-fishing down there? Oh, pre-fishing was good. And then, of course, we had that major cold front come through and, um, you know, slowed it down a little bit. But, you know, uh, fishing, fishing was good. Pre-fishing was good, and then of course the tournament—it uh, couldn't have lined up any better. Uh, run us through that day by day how the tournament transpired for Chris Lane. Yeah, um, first day was a really tough bite. Um, was able to catch a six-nine that really kind of catapulted me over the edge, and then the second day the uh-huh. wind was not near as bad. It wasn't as cold. The fish started to bite and things started to set up in place. 
to, you know, what what I really like to cast the lily pads or the cattails. And, you know, it really allowed me to learn a lot more about the lake. And then, of course, going into the knockout round, I knew our weights carried over. So that was the day that I had to throttle them. And I did good and had like 23 and a half pounds, I believe, but Mark Davis absolutely throttled him with almost 35 pounds. So going into that final day, it was a mountain to climb. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, just go out and, and do the very best you can um, and fish. I know there's 30 pound bags out here. Everything has to line up for that to happen. And for me to, to catch that fish at the very end, you know, to catch over 26 pounds, um, it was just unbelievable. What a blessing. The uh, uh, amazing thing was the finish. Uh, it was almost like a Hollywood script. Heck, stuff like this doesn't happen. Uh, you know in the boat what's going on. It's live time. You know what you need uh, to cash a check. You know what you need to compete for first. When did you realize that you were one fish away from a victory here? I guess after I caught another five-pounder, um, right before I caught that last one. I didn't really know. I know my official had told me I needed four pounds, 12 ounces. Well, I was thinking that I had to subtract my smaller fish. So I was thinking I needed like a seven-pounder. And I've caught a number of fish over seven pounds down here. And I knew that one swing of the rod could be that fish. I didn't know I actually won the event until he told me, congratulations, you won. I thought I was short. Wow, that's amazing. Is it? That is absolutely amazing. Uh, what did they, You caught that fish with 45 seconds to go? Yes, sir. <laughs> that's that's amazing because you know when when you when you think about it, uh, it, it plays to the fact that you guys hook these fish, you bring them in real quick, oversight into the boat. Uh, there, uh, the average weekend fisherman's playing with that fish a little longer. He doesn't want to bring it in right away. He doesn't want to horse it in. He doesn't want to lose it. He doesn't want to break his line. And and I think a lot of guys will take more than 45 seconds to get that fish in. Uh, if you were had not gotten in the boat, it was on your line when that buzzer went off, that fish doesn't count, right? That is correct. If that fish is not over the gunnel by the time the clock hits zero, it does not count. That is so much pressure, and it, it makes it so exacting, you know. Uh, even though you guys, and we'll talk about this, but even though you guys are uh, back with the five-fish limit, it's it's not like the old days where you didn't know until you got up on the weigh-in uh, stage to, to know what you have and to know if you had won it or moved up or moved down. Uh, it, it, this modern uh, modern uh, technology has changed the way we do this so much. How do you like it? Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, it's real time. It's it's a real game. Um, every other professional sport knows the score. Um, they all have scoreboards, and and we do that now. And I think that's um, one of the things that has elevated this sport. 
and being able on the conservation side to be able to catch these fish and then release them right back to where they came from you know that's a really awesome thing too especially during the spawn when they're full of eggs yeah yeah i can uh, i can see that that's a very very good point uh and you know we always say that the the outdoorsmen the, the fishermen and the hunters are the best conservationists in the world i think this has really stepped up to prove that and i think that uh uh, it's going to go like that for, from now on. It's just a perfect, uh, it's a perfect way to do things. And, man, th this whole video era of seeing everything lifetime as it's happening, I, ca I can't imagine anything more exciting than that. I, I think back to the old days of watching uh, uh, the classic, uh, like back when you won, and I didn't mention that earlier, but Chris Lane is a Bassmaster Classic champion. Uh, you, you didn't know what was going on, and it's just wonderful to be able to watch this the way it's done. Yeah, to, to be able to have live stream like we do now, technology has, has changed it, and it allows, you know, the world to see what's happening real time. Yeah. And uh, that's an awesome thing for this sport. Oh, for sure, for sure. Let's take a quick break and let our sponsors have a word. When we come back, we'll ask uh, Chris Lane... Winner of the Kissimmee Chain event, the uh, first of the year on the Bass Pro Tour of Major League Fishing. We'll talk to him about his sponsors. Uh, when we come back, this is Steve Sarley. You're listening to We Fish ASA. We'll be back right after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I had completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley here with Chris Lane. Hey, Chris, a lot of people think you win a big tournament like that. You're up on the stage, you hear the applause, they hand you the check, and... Uh, you go, you go out and you celebrate and on to the next one. The next tournament's not until uh, uh, the Red Crest in uh, uh, March, uh, March 8th to 12th is the, is the, are the tournament dates where, where that is happening. But that's not it at all. Uh, heck, 
You, you won this thing this past weekend, and and then you're booked. Uh, you you're got to film a fishing show the next day. That, is that <laughs> usually what happens? Are you that jammed up? Yeah, man, no, it, it's not like that. It just uh, that's the way it happened. Um, you know, we're we're out here filming the hunt for monster bass, and um, it's it's one of those things where just because you win doesn't mean you can just cancel what you're doing or what you have planned. You know, because people still are counting on you to do other things, and you're counting on them as well. Uh, it's uh, it's a definitely a, a team effort, and you just got to do what you got to do. It's not all lollipops and candy canes all the time. <laughs> when, when did you know you were going to be filming uh, Hunt for Master Bass with Ot Defoe? Yep. So Ot is the host of the show, and then I'm the host of you know the shows as well. Um, I started filming them last year and um, moving into this year, and it's just a great opportunity for for us to to you know teach people how to try to catch a monster, but at the same time, it's good for our sponsors and good for you know the the outdoor industry. Any truth to the rumor that uh, I just was doing this because he wanted to see you inside your tackle box up close? <laughs> no. No, I don't think there's any any truth to that. I think, uh, you know, Ott has done a great job with the hunt for monster bass and, uh, you know, to to help him out with it and to kind of carry on. It's one of those things that uh, I enjoy and enjoy helping him out. He, he's a good guy. We, we like him, so that's a, that's a good deal. Uh, you are no longer a Kissimmee chain area resident. Where are you living? I live in Gunnersville, Alabama now. Gunnersville, I think I heard that word before once or twice. Yes, sir. Man, oh man, what is ev everybody who wins a tournament's got to move to to Gunnersville? There, there's so many of you guys on that lake. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that lake is uh, it's it's an awesome place. It's it's centrally located, especially with a lot of our events, so we're able to spend more time at home with our families. But at the same time, you know, this this industry is full of having to shoot videos and, and techniques and do all of that. And Guntersville offers a whole array of all of that, from lily pads to rock bluff walls to bridges. And I think that's what's so awesome about that place. And there is a number of us that live there now. Yeah, for sure. And how how is the fishing on Guntersville today? I know historically... It's the hottest place going, but I also think that a lot of lakes are cyclical. And I always say, like Lake Fork in Texas, that was, you know, so hot. And then it started going down. You weren't getting as big a fish. It's always a good fisher, but you weren't getting those giants out of there. And now it's, I think it's on an upswing again where the average fish are getting bigger. Gunnersville had so much publicity. It was rated by Bassmaster Magazine, the number one lake in the country. Figure everybody in the world is turning their, you know, rigs around and heading down there. They got the fish. Gunnersville has has it affected the fishery in any kind of a negative way? Um, you know, I don't, I don't think so. The the fishery is uh, is prime time right now. It's uh, it's got the giants in it still. It's got a lot of fish, and you know, it's probably shocking to me how well it holds up to the amount of pressure 
um, that that it takes. That's why we partnered with the Major League Fishing Anglers Association to where every every summer, you know, we're in May, we, we run an event and, you know, work really hard to put, you know, anywhere from 30 to 100,000 fingerling of the Florida strain back into Lake Gunnersville to re-inject that gene and to make sure that, you know, we leave plenty of fish for kids down the road to catch. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's a, it's, it's a great thing, and uh, I know it is a well-managed fishery, and I'm not, I wasn't trying to uh, ruin your property values by asking if the, the, the lake went down. I just maybe trying to give you a little bit more privacy, take some pressure off. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the fishing's bad. Everybody stay away. Leave it, leave it for me and my friends, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, I got to see the boats that fish it every day. Uh, the fishing's still pretty good. All right, you got a, a big one coming up, uh, March eighth to the twelfth at Charlotte, North Carolina. Lake Norman is Redcrest. It is the Major League Fishing Championship, uh, which I'm sure you are looking forward to being a Bassmaster Classic Championship and the red adding a Redcrest Trophy to your trophy case would be an incredible achievement. Uh, go back to Redcrest last year. I, I'm told that you might know the guy that won that last year. Man, I, I do. What a what a phenomenal job Bobby did. And uh, you know, he's been a he's been a great champion and I can't wait to to hopefully experience that someday. Ah, unbelievable. Yeah, your brother Bobby Lane was the Red Crest champion last year. Did did a great job. And another, uh, I guess you guys are uh, uh, putting your mark on great finishes. He had a great finish in that tournament like you just had a great finish on this Kissimmee. There, there are stories that it, it's almost hard to believe that they happen the way they happen, but they, they certainly do. Uh, and, and Bobby did great. And as a matter of fact, I had him on the show the day after the Red Crest. I've had him on a couple times. And uh, he always talks about wanting to go back to his roots and having the opportunity to win a classic, uh, which when you're in Major League Fishing, that's the one thing that's not available to you. I, I know you're not him and, and you don't know exactly what's in his mind, but do you suspect that he's got a get in there he wants to win a classic because you want a classic he's got to match you in that regard is that a part of it i i think that's a huge part of it and it's no different than me wanting to win a red crest because he's got one yeah yeah except yeah for sure you you've got you've got the chance to do that and i think it'd be great have you guys have you you seem like you're the best of friends have you been competitive all your life with him Probably more so than you could imagine. Um, my, whole family, my whole family is competitive. And, uh, of course, we want the best for each other. But at the same time, we're going to do everything we can to, to come out on top. You know, I, you look up uh, you look up pictures of the, of the lanes and, uh, you know, there are a couple, a couple guys they look a lot alike and, you, you look to me if you were standing next to each other side by side. You could, I, was, I could swear I was looking at a picture of some tag team in the WWE. Uh, you guys look tough. You look bad. You're the nicest guys in the world. But from looking at you, I'd, I'd fear you if I saw you in a bar. Um, who's a tougher one of the two of you? <laughs> I'm going to say Arnie probably is. He's the older brother. Um, <laughs> 
depends on the scenario. I, I guess that's, that's the only answer I can say about that. I, and, and I assume you guys have never gotten in a physical confrontation with each other. Yeah, we have. And, um, you know, I think I'm the one that came out on the on the lower end of the deal. Uh, you know what? Now I got to talk to him again and ask him about this. What's going on? That's that's great fun. I think it's absolutely wonderful that that you guys are as close as you are, and you both are successful in the same thing. Uh, it, it, it's 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 totally it's the it's totally phenomenal. All right, let's talk about uh, when, when you're winning that event on the Kissimmee chain. What what were the presentations? What were the baits that were working for you? Yeah, it was the Bass Pro Shops Black and Blue Sticko. Um, that was that was the presentation of throwing it to any isolated target, such as lily pads or Kissimmee grass patch or a stick, um, and then really sneaking up on them. Of course, you power poles are an absolute must, and running the new power pole trolling motor, the new move, um, just deadly silent. It's uh, it's unbelievable. So you're able to sneak up and, and be uh, in control of your boat the entire time to make pinpoint casts. Excellent. And, and tell me more about this uh, power pole trolling motor and what makes it so good. Well, it'll be, <laughs> it'll, it'll be coming out um, very, very soon. And um, I think just how quiet and powerful it is, um, it's uh, it's unbelievable and a must-have on a boat. Okay, uh, are they going to have that uh, on display down there at the Red Crest Expo? Yes, they will. Uh, you know, for people that aren't familiar with stuff like the, that, Bassmaster at the Classic has always had an expo where they get a, a gigantic uh, convention center and pack it with. Uh, uh, displays and booths from all the big manufacturers, all the small manufacturers. It's one of the biggest fishing shows you've ever seen. And now Redcrest is doing the same thing. I was there last year, and it blew me away how big it was. And a lot of these uh, companies that are introducing new products hold off for the uh, the Bassmaster Expo and now the Redcrest Expo to show these things. So it's it's exciting to go down there and attend something like that and see these these new newly designed rods and reels and then equipment like uh, electronics and and this power pole trolling motor it'll be neat to see that too now you know i, I certainly think you'd like to see all the fans down there I, can you think of a better place to have something like a red crest championship and a red crest expo than in charlotte north carolina a great city to visit a great city to vacation uh, man everybody should go don't you think Oh, absolutely. It's always such a good time. All the anglers are out there, and um, it's just a good time, exactly like you said, to see all the new stuff in the industry, and you'll be able to see it firsthand there. Yeah, for sure, and I, I, I will see you there. I am looking forward to that. Then it's on to the rest of the season. Uh, looking at the schedule, are there any places that you're particularly excited to be going to? Uh, well, we are going back to Gunnersville, so I'm excited to go back there. Um, I'm really just excited to, to fish, you know, another tournament and another tournament, but I would have to say Gunnersville would be one that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, they've and they've done a great job. I love some of the places that they pick, and uh, every once in a while there's a surprise or two, and this year is, is none the same. But you know what? 
I know that a Chris Land is going to do well wherever he goes to fish because you're a smart guy and you've got the right attitude. Uh, nobody's going to outthink you. Nobody's going to out-effort you at any of these places. So I think this big check you got at Kissimmee may not be the only one you collect this year. Oh, wow. Well, I like the confidence builder, so we're going to make sure that we continue to do the right things and you know take preparation and make sure that when you show up at an event, I think that would be some advice I could give to any high school kid or college angler or any angler that's coming up is to make sure that your preparation is done right because it's very key when the event actually starts. Great, great advice. He is Chris Lane. He just won stage one on the Kissimmee chain. Major League Fishing's year starts out with a Chris Lane win. Now he's on to Redcrest. Hey, my friend, thank you for being with us. I wish you the best. Uh, go out and kick some butt a little bit more this year. How's that? Okay. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate y'all. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. We appreciate you. He is Chris Lane. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guests for today. Dan Johnston, of course. Cat Zero from Reeling and Healing. What a noble cause. What a great lady. Cat Zero. And I'd like to thank Chris Lane, former Bassmaster Classic champion. Going to try to beat a Red Crest champion. He just won the Kissimmee Chain event. Guy is good, let me tell you. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Dawa. We've got your bass covered. They sure do. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner's Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.